fuck is the matter with Nathan? Fucking paedophile jokes. Making paedophile jokes all the time. Like, what is he on about? Uh, Dan Evans, your mic is on. Uh, <laughs> fucking. The no, Honourable Dan about, Evans, Secretary about. of Desolation Radio. <laughs> please turn your mic off and put some clothes on. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Desolation Radio, continuing our coverage of the coronavirus crisis. It's me, your boy, Dan Evans. I'm joined, as ever, by the boy, Nathan Cush. Good evening, pedos. And the boy, Kieran <laughs> Smith. Hello. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Okay, how are you doing, boys? Yeah, good. It's real good. <laughs> All right. Good. Glad you're looking after each other. Okay, what's been happening? So, good news. The country rejoices. Uh, Boris Johnson is back to work. And he's also had a, a new child. Uh, which oh, is with his born. wife? Uh, no, no, with his mistress, actually. Um, but no oh, one cares. That's uh, he really... had a child born out of wedlock. Um, I want to just pass on, my, pass on my words of encouragement to his new child um, that I've taken from the Bible. Um <laughs> No one of illegitimate birth shall enter the assembly of the Lord. None of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So, best of luck, son. Um, <laughs> and your sons. <laughs> yeah, many of his many kids. Uh, I mean, it's just more. I mean, the reaction of this of the of the press to this is just more more and more proof of the, that this country is just a complete blight on like humanity. And I just cannot wait until it gets like wiped off the face of the earth like just uh, at least the ruling class it would just be such a net benefit to to, to the world if the uk was just obliterated do you um, think uh, laura kingsburg's a bit jealous mate she is she is going to be devastated right now um yeah but it hasn't stopped them before so <laughs> there's still hope for it yeah i know well exactly. stand the line like another one the the, the 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 double standards are insane like you were saying earlier nate that you know, Corbyn was getting flack for because he slept with Diane. He had a fling with Diane Abbott when he was like, you know, 30 years old. And the fact he's been married more than once. Yeah. Johnson's got like numerous Ill- illegitimate children dotted around the country who he never sees. Nobody knows how many there are either. He has affairs left, right and centre. Yeah. He leaves his wife. You know, he's still married. He's still married to his wife. And he was he's like and he's just had a kid with his um his mistress. And it's like our oh, country rejoices. Can you imagine like, can you imagine if it, it if it was a socialist or if it was Corbyn or anyone else, anyone else apart from Boris Johnson getting up to that sort of behaviour? They'd be absolutely crucified by the press. I mean, it is it, it it's so it is a cult, isn't it? It was so funny, like all these Corbynistas obsessed with Jeremy Corbyn, and then you've got like Boris in you know coming out of ICU, and you've got senior journalists saying like coming into something as well. This is basically you know the greatest thing ever. Like the Lord has risen again, essentially. I mean, there was this thing. Last week wasn't there? It was like the I don't know if it was Yuga, but it was like um, test uh, British faith. Uh, the British public's faith in the media hits like an all-time low, and all these senior journalists online like, oh, how can this be? I can't believe it. And then you know, in the next breath, they're like, 
oh, thank goodness Boris Johnson is alive because I would have killed myself if he'd passed away. Um, He's you know, truly and, blessed us yeah. in this dark time with a child. And then you've got that, was it Ian Dunt? Uh, was like, he was like, it's very interesting. People who I... Uh, people who I know from outside the UK are appalled by what's going on, but people who live inside are not worried. People are like, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that? They're like, they're so close to getting it. And then that guy, Ian Dale, was like, while these statistics on faith in the press are shocking. And then like less than 12 hours later, LBC, his station, announces that Boris Johnson's sister is now <laughs> going to work for them as like a presenter. And he's like, welcome aboard. Like they just can't. <laughs> It's just, it's just unbelievable. And what I think is, I mean, that they, they are, they really are like beyond parody. But what is more like insidious and and and, and worrying is this like tendency now to people are just like the, members of the press are literally saying like we got to get behind the prime minister, you know, openly and openly saying that like you shouldn't criticize the government. It's just. It really is like getting dystopian. This guy Tim Montgomery, who's a columnist in the columnist in the uh, Telegraph, is like criticising the Financial Times as being some like anti-government socialist propaganda just because they're pointing out that at the flaws of the government, just because they're doing like basic scrutiny. Is, and this um, Financial Times? That's an offshoot of the Morning Star, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, cool. you'd think so. Listening to these people and and like and this is the I mean there was another interesting bit about you know that the, the the relationship between you know brexit and this crisis like obviously the culture war is being sucked the brexit culture war is never going away clearly and it's been sucked into this because you're getting people now like just criticizing doctors and nurses in the nhs and it's just it's generally starting to be a bit terrifying because there was a panorama expose the other day which which showed how appalling the british government were now they didn't bother you know, they they were counting like gloves and and uh, and paper towels as PPE. Um, Just not not then, a pair of gloves, a glove. Have you seen, have you seen those photos of the difference, you know, between yeah. Chinese uh, yeah. PPE and what we've got here? Then you've got, yeah, you know, China, you've got China, China looks like a forensic site, and the Britain looks like a dinner lady. <laughs> it's like they've wrapped themselves in cling film. I know, which is basically what it is. But then you've got Guido uh, Guido Forks. Or Guido Fawkes, what I know, um, that blog um, saying, <laughs> you know, saying, oh, this doctor who appeared on uh, that panorama was a, you know, was a Labour activist. Um, this person's a lefty. And they actually do this all the time now. Anyone that criticizes, they happened during the election campaign. If you remember that um, bloke confronted Johnson in hospital about his sick child and they were like, hey, he's a Labour councillor. And that's like an ongoing thing. And now you see all these people on Twitter with like Union Jacks in their avatars, like ex-Royal Navy, you know, you're saying all oh, lefty doctors and lefty nurses. And I honestly didn't think that it would, people would start going for the NHS, like during a crisis. And obviously in the previous shows, I've said, oh, you should have walkouts. And in my mind, it was like, well, they're obviously such heroes and such selfless, incredible people. Surely not even in this country, people are going to start attacking you know, attacking doctors and nurses and healthcare workers, but clearly now this like mental culture war has been moved. Just is just carrying on, and anyone that criticizes the government is a lefty. People are saying, "Oh, bloody Ramona's like you know criticizing the government," and it's just actually you know clear, quite clearly beginning the descent into fascism in this country. Um, 
But luckily, we've got Keir Starmer to, you know, hold the gun. Forensically hold the clean um, Boris Johnson's boots with his tongue. <laughs> well, that's literally it, mate. Like, Neo tweeted something a few, like, a week ago, which is like a parody of what Starmer would say. Um, and it's, and he is, he's, he's literally almost doing it word for word. The first sector invites me to recognise the good work on social distancing and on critical care capacity. Can I do that unreservedly? It's been an amazing piece of work, particularly the ramping up of capacity. And, and I send my thanks to all of those that have been involved in it. I'd absolutely recognise it. Like uh, Richard Seymour just said, like, even if you are a centrist, just have some dignity. Like, have, <laughs> have some dignity. Like, it's Hello. just pathetic. Uh, I was just wondering if... If you've got all the PPE, he's just you? like he's he he, he basically is stanking the government. The, the, and the Labour official Labour Twitter account is like, we want to support the government. However, they need to be a little bit clearer on this. Um, so they're going for this like national unity, this like weird national like in this this idea of a wartime emergency wartime cabinet. Like you know, don't criticise them approach, and it's just it's just nuts. Like. It, it's just completely surreal. Starmer said nothing about testing or PPE. Nothing. He's just basically praising the government and, and asking for a little bit more detail. Um, and as we'll talk about later in Wales, he he's focused on like exiting the lockdown. Why why on earth would that be the thing you lead with? It's demented. No one cares about the lockdown. People are like no one cares about lifting the lockdown. Why? Like it's just one of the most surreal surreal things to focus on i just i don't know I, I, and the thing is they're they're, fo they're turning on the, the press are turning on starmer already anyway like it, I, it, I thought if he was nice the press would get behind him <laughs> it was not yeah, the no case matter, he's down in the polls and no matter how obsequious he is and how much of a toad and like how much he licks people's boots it's never going to be enough for like the media it's never going to be enough and like i don't know it's just just comedy that every single person in the world could see this happening apart from the central centrists who've now got their party back um i've got, um, I've got relatives in germany and their email and my mum being like is everything okay uh we're seeing that your country is not coping very well um are you alive and so it's just yeah like you were saying earlier even outsiders like the indent thing just you know it's, it's just blatant to everyone Starmer, uh, Kieran, what do you think about Starmer? You, you're, you're a fan of Starmer, aren't you? Well, he's got a Starmer t-shirt on. Circuit well, Starmer, you mean? I didn't know who you were talking about because you weren't using his... Uh, oh, yeah, it's full title. Circuit Aurora. Um, yeah, and like you say, I don't understand the strategy at all. Like, why be so obsequious and, and passive at a time like this? Like, now is the time to go for the jugular, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 43,000 on, on, you know, on... Um, on course for the like worst death rate in Europe with a, or a, a, a fifth a of the world's pop, um, death death toll as well. Yeah. Um, on a fucking island that I two weeks warning like compared to everywhere else in Europe. But um, the union, I mean, it's not just Starmer though, but the unions have been so pathetic throughout this. Well, we were going to talk about as well about um, Hancock's call for sixty thousand uh, pound payout to. All of the 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 bereaved families of um, of dead health what, what, workers. Are they just gonna they're going to present it with one of those massive, They're going to present it with one of those massive checks to their family. Uh, <laughs> like the postcode lottery. Yeah. Oh my god. As the red arrows do a flight pass. It's so cynical to 
to draw attention. I mean, it's, de- it's deliberate classic Tory PR, isn't it? To like deliberately draw attention away from the conversation about, you know, maybe we should be paying key workers and health workers more money <laughs> and, you know, giving them better working, working conditions and, and pay rather than, you know, giving them a, a relatively tiny payout um, if they die. But, the, you know, the worst thing about it is that the left don't seem to have... Um, don't seem to be trying to change the conversation. So Starmer, the obvious leftist response to that is, well, you know, we should be paying them more. But Unite, for example, are just calling for the the payouts to be extended to all key workers, not just health workers. Like now is the time that a union should be calling for better paying conditions, not not backing up Tory policy. It's incredible. I'm fairly sure Francis O'Grady negotiated an on-strike deal. But yeah, like the... <laughs> Imagine being, you know, it's so insulting, like in the middle of it, where there's issues with PPE, the government is saying, we'll pay you two two years wages if you die. Um, Can you imagine, uh, like, your local MP you, kind of sticking their head around, like, the door of your, your funeral? Like, a massive check. And the unions, rather than, like, morally opposing it and seeing how, like, massively insulting that is and arguing, hey, maybe you could try keeping us alive instead of, like paying us out giving us a measly payout the union's like oh this is great yeah but we should extend it to you know to all key workers and not just health workers and it's just they live in it they occupy a completely different planet it's quite uh, interesting as well that they've literally put a price on a life well yeah like, exactly. oh, that, that's the cost that's of human right. life is about sixty thousand pounds before well, tax like like is it so when i did my union shop steward training we always get told this anecdote about um you know what businesses will do uh, when they work out whether they should improve machinery um and there was an anecdote about uh, the steelworks in whatever uh, well part of the country back in the day and there were issues with the blast furnace and the company worked out is it more going to be more expensive to repair the blast furnace compared to what the standard industrial payout was for the death of a worker and yeah. obviously it was cheaper to pay out whatever 50,000 for a work you know if a couple of workers got killed rather than to spend however many million on repairing it and then lo and behold like the workers died because it was it was cheaper and and i mean honestly would you be surprised if they'd done some calculation and were like well it'll cost this amount to get ppe or you know or to give a pay rise across the nhs yeah, uh, you can, you can ima- imagine because um, yeah. it'll be vastly cheaper they know that hmm. sixty thousand quid per head of a death of a dead health worker is nothing compared to you know what they actually should be earning it's just incredible i mean like if i was having a conversation about health and safety at work and you the employer rather than start to address your concerns goes how about if you die we'll give you 60 grand yeah would be pretty awful because that would tell me they they are yeah planning on the you know they, they yeah. plan the fact that i'm gonna die yeah. um you shouldn't be ha- like how is this be- like as you said how like this is a conversation that should not be happening the conversation sh- should still be about ppe yeah. ramping it up and why just asking like why is the uk being provided with this level of protection and why are other countries being provided with this level of protection if you were star if starmer was a man or if he were- if he was had any backbone or socialist um yeah principles or just any like radical motivation he would be absolutely hammering the government, but also like morally, like more, like how, like look, looking opposite Matt Hancock. If I'd seen that Panorama program, 
mm. and seeing you know health work is dying because this guy is fucked up PPE orders and it's just like not only that but he, they're, they're, they're deliberately inflating the numbers that they've apparently given people by like counting one you know not a pair of gloves but like individual gloves as part of PPE and then going on TV and saying oh we've given this amount out you know I want to throttle him you know I want to kill him I wouldn't be can I just say thank you very much I, I honestly can't understand what the strategy is and what the thinking behind this 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 passiveness is. Whether they've got some advice from a a, a used van salesman in skewing. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, like Ronan Ronan from Tribune said the other day, you know, like people were like, oh, it's like Starmer. You know, they they did a someone compared Question Time now, like you know, Corbyn's apparent bumbling with like Prime Minister's questions. Yeah, it was like no, but it was yeah. like QC. Um, interrogating a city trader and then um ronan said well yeah that's what it is you know it's literally like it's no longer class it's no longer a class war it's no longer someone who's going to stand up for working class people like jeremy corbyn john mcdonald did or richard bergen long bailey would have done um you know you've got a qc who is fully paid up member of the ruling class um and who doesn't identify you know and who identifies with them and this is it now this is the you know the, the labor party like why I just cannot fathom if you're like a young militant now you're a young leftist why you would bother staying in the Labour Party is such a waste of energy and time but I mean in terms of like you know saying about being a young militant and perhaps coming across like the the literature by Ralph Miliband saying like you know it's a busted flush and then to read it and then to actually see it in real time and being proven you know you can see all of them like um Ellie Mayo Hagen's been like I'm going to stay in the Labour Party. Like, well, yeah, right. there's, like a, there's like an unwritten rule, basically, in the Labour Party, like in the Labour Party that you sh- you can never, ever read, like Ralph Miliband or Marx or Lenin or anything that, like, anything that any, everyone else has, re- has read. You're just but not- Lenin back in the day was just like, yeah, it's Labour Party shit. Like, the quick way yeah. to build a communist movement is to make people join, get disenfranchised without, like, shit they are and, like, you know, get and go in. It's just unreal. Um, anyway... Should we move to Wales? Yeah, we can. Well, we're all we should move out of Wales. <laughs> can we go somewhere else? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to our yeah. second homes in England. Yeah, that would be class. We should actually buy up second homes in England. See how they fucking see how they like it. Just flock, flock, flock all. Just move all of us. Move move in there and start ranting and raving at coppers, and they pull us over. Like, no, we support your economy. <laughs> I I tell you what, like. We did a tweet the other day and it was like um, some people got offended. We said, you know, happy St. George's Day to all the, the good English people who don't, you know, who stay in England and, and never move to Wales. Um, and we want to say, obviously, we appreciate the massive cultural contribution that English people <laughs> have made to Wales. So we're just going to go ahead and list the amazing things they've contributed. Starting now. Um, hot dogs, no. That's America. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, the main, I guess the main story was, and it was, I, I wouldn't say it's a good day, as good as a, a funny, like, it, you know, when you have good days on Twitter that, like, just, you know, you're on your phone, but it's like rather than being gripped with, like, anxiety and uh, and panic and loathing. and loathing, you're sort of like, everyone's, 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 getting, everyone's rinsing someone, like, yeah. Yeah, basically, and like obviously it was a born geth in leaving his microphone on, um, <laughs> swearing about Jenny Rathbone. So the context was that you know Jenny Rathbone basically said, "Shouldn't we be base listening to Martin Evans?" 
Sir Martin Evans, who won a Nobel Prize for um, and who was criticised in Welsh government's approach. And Jenny Rathbone's had the temerity in a Zoom meeting to say, maybe we shouldn't be dismissing this guy. Maybe we should be listening uh, uh, listening to him and also accepting Cardiff University's offer to help help us with testing capacity. Um, and also she said something along the lines of like, what I don't like, which is what everyone else has been asking. She's like, I don't understand why an industrial nation or like, you know, as many like, you know, uh, whatever, like a developed country can't produce its own PPE. And in response to that, Von Gethin has a meltdown. And then, you know, it will be, t- it will be typical. What, what I didn't understand though, like that is when, when Plaid called for his resignation. <laughs> like not, not, you know, not the, the collapsing of the testing deal, like the repeated failures to hit testing targets, not the the fact he closed down a testing, you know, there's a testing center closed down on Bank Holiday, the fact he sent 13,000 letters to the wrong address. No, not the... No ventilators. No ventilators, no PPE, the fact that he, you know, they didn't close, you know, they they, they let the Stereophonics gig go ahead, they wanted to let the Will Scott go ahead. You know, it just seems strange to call for his resignation then. It's quite funny though. Sorry, they did see people just be like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it, Vaughan. We've all uh, we've all sworn at Jenny Rathbone with our mic on." I mean, it would be typical Wales if, like, you know, he does all this thing, these these thing, terrible things, and makes these terrible decisions, which essentially gets people killed. And then the only time he gets like people kick off and call for his resignation is he was rude in like a, a Zoom meeting. Um, <laughs> It was just, it's just absolutely surreal. But like, some people were actually generally pissed off that he had sworn. Like, the issue is obviously that's how he responds to criticism. Yeah. But like, it's obviously a culture, a horrible, toxic culture. And she's done really well there of like sticking her head above the parapet, I think, and, and saying, um, you know, this is what you should be doing. They're well, obviously not. And, and that's what's, that's what's uh, strange about him is that he just. He cannot take criticism. I mean, he's got this really. We were talking about, you know, the Lee Waters uh, tweets last, you know, last week, where he just responds to everything with this really like dismissive, just like sarky, sarkiness. Uh, but Gethin's exactly the same. Oh, they hate it, mate. They hate being scrutinised, and they've never, they've what? never had to deal with it. I know. But direct a direct quote from Gething on like uh, I think a BBC journalist asking him whether you know why they're not extending testing at the moment, and he says, "Oh, we're not going to test everyone, anyone, and everyone." It's just this really like, sarcastic, like sardonic tone to everything. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, he, this is he, a legitimate he, question to be asking a politician during a global pandemic. I know. You know it's not oh, it's just it's, it's hostile it's patronizing it's condescending yeah um, it's, it's just he's just he's just an absolute wanker like a complete bellend it's like, quite indicative I'm, though isn't it of just how wales operates in the sense like right i'm in power uh, you can do this you can do this you can do this yeah everyone happy happy and then like to actually come across a crisis and they'd be like oh shit like you know yeah, everyone's they, just been they've, like they've, they've never had to but these are pe- these are people who have never even thought that you know they would have to answer any que- difficult questions or have any screw it's just an easy life you know what i mean like being a it's the easiest job in the world i'm sorry being a politician in wales no scrutiny our media is like deferential and pathetic um you don't now, even have to show up to government meetings no <laughs> they do show up and when they do they play on their phone if you actually watch like in the chamber, they just sat there like on their phones, like looking bored. And it's just like they're getting paid 60 grand a year for this. 
And now they're finally getting screwed. They don't even have to die either. They're absolutely hating it. Um, but yeah, Gethin was, you know, speaking about Jenny Rathbone in a particularly, like, I thought, like a, dis- a dismissive manner. Um, what else has happened? We've had, oh yeah, this is the other thing. Adam Price uh, and a, not just Adam Price, but Adrian Masters said he looked at the delivery of, the, delivery of ventilators. And said that the ventilators have been promised to be delivered in Wales, like only a fraction, a tiny fraction of them have arrived. Um, and then on Twitter, Vaughan Gethin was like, yeah, Adam Price is wrong. And it's like, how was it explained then? If, he, if he's wrong, tell us what's actually been going on, because they're so they're so bad at communicating what's going on. We're only left with these inferences. It was exactly the same with the PPE when Price was like, you know, Scotland are bringing in 10 million tons worth of 10 million pieces of PPE from China independently. Why aren't Wales doing this? Lee Waters then says, oh, "We have done this actually. Like you're an idiot." And then Chris Bryant. You want to brag about it? Chris know. Bryant starts piling, and it's like, well, if you'd done that, why wouldn't you say it? Especially this is a government that wants to take credit for like having the world's first Zoom meeting. You'd think like, so you know, prove it. And, and like, so you're either incompetent, you haven't managed to do it, or or the alternative is you're so bad at communicating you've done this, which is a good thing, but yeah. you just, oh, we just didn't want to tell anyone. And it's the same now with the ventilator thing. Like, Vonga, like because they don't tell anyone anything, they, because they, they hate being scrutinised and because they don't explain anything, it's reasonable for someone like Adam Price and indeed Adrian Masters, because it's not just Price, they were spinning it as if it was just like nationalist lie but it wasn't it was a it was an itv journalist who was also saying like it looks like you haven't had any of the ventilators he's then said oh we, we we're getting them in like a staggered manner well say that then say like say that don't just go on twitter and say you're wrong and like you know, it's just and then you say explain it you wouldn't be surprised if you just said no <laughs> nah. like, no no i'm not gonna you need you know like you know they're just, just contempt, they? contempt absolute contempt for people who question them and just an inability to explain things. I will like with. Did you see Drake for the other day on um? I don't know what it was BBC Politics when someone was like, "Are you going to be publishing um the scientific evidence you're getting?" And he was like, "He just said no, we're not going to because basically the um basically the public wouldn't be able to understand. We it. can barely understand. Yeah, it. He, he the, was the like, no chance. So you you've got no chance. And then. People are pointing out, like, well, Keir Starmer is saying that, you know, the British government should be should be publishing this stuff because, you know, there might be people who want to scrutinise this and see if, you know, like, until the scientific evidence you're being provided with is made public, we haven't got a clue what's going on. We're just being asked, like, lemons, trust the scientific guidance. Yeah, okay, but what, it's, the perfect, it? it's the perfect cloak and, like, cover for for any government policies to say, oh, we're following and clinical and scientific guidance is the buzzword yes. now. It, it, it means you can do whatever you want with absolutely no scrutiny because you're following the guidance. But like that response is, is like... What is the clinical guidance? Like the latest today was um, obviously Drakeford has pulled back on testing um, care homework, yeah. right? On the basis that, oh, clinical and scientific guidance is saying that this is what we should do. Well, is that actually what the guidance is saying? Because I'm pretty sure that WHO guidance is saying, no, you should test and trace everyone you can in order to get a handle on where the virus is. Now, if the if the scientific guidance is saying, 
okay, you've got, you haven't got enough tests to be able to test everyone you should be testing. So our guidance is to just test the select members of the community. Then, well, that's not really the scientific guide, the full picture no. of the scientific guidance, is it? Kieran, as, as, as you're aware, that um, there's been no deaths in care homes at all. So, but I'd be, I'd actually be, um, I know they will probably disagree, but like, I'm adamant that if the Welsh government had taken a like, kind of like a more nationalistic approach and said from the start, like if they'd just been honest and admitted things were going wrong, but they were trying to do things, you know, like for example, we haven't got the amount of tests that we want but we want to t- you know so we're using them in this way so like you know well what is just like the ppe and and the other questions price was asking because their decisions are seem inexplicable to people who are outside the bubble you know if when they start to deviate from even what england does and what the who does like in the care homes testing people in the care homes uh, like the example you just gave kieran you just end up making inferences like well you don't know what you're doing or you're obviously like rationing but you're not just being honest with us incidentally like so i had a chat with christian who was on um the, sh- the show previously about this because a lot of this stuff and i think well about the lockdown it seems to hinge on the role of asymptomatic people you know so he said that one of the problems of this this um virus is the fact that you know a lot of people can be asymptomatic and that you can share the virus whilst being asymptomatic um and obviously then that should inform the debate that Drakeford was having or whatever or was trying to weasel out of about testing everyone in care homes. And he basically said there's no point testing asymptomatic yeah. people because we'd have to test them every day. Um, yeah. But then, you know, you're going to get a picture of where the asymptomatic people are, aren't you? Uh, yeah. You and then to test uh, as many as you can. But the thing is, there are ongoing studies. So, like, I was reading this thing, you know, Oxford Uni were, um, it's like they got, like, an ongoing blog about COVID. Um, It's, like, Centre for, like, Preventable, Centre for, like, Medicine or whatever, something like that. Something that was, like, you know, good and scientific. And they were basically saying, well, the the verdict is out at the moment on the the role of asymptomatic people. And they did all these case studies, for example, like, um, people from China uh, who from Wuhan who were like quarantined in South Korea or whatever, you know, like they had like a, a group of people for, who had the disease, who were from the infectious place were in another country. Um, and like a significant proportion of these people were asymptomatic. Then they took people who came off like cruise liners that had been quarantined. Some of those people were asymptomatic. In some cases, like people went on to develop symptoms. In other cases, people people didn't they're still like you know they're still trying to research you know how long what you know you can spread it whilst being asymptomatic or you know if you're asymptomatic whether you know so there's all but but this is why it would be good to get the scientific stuff in the open so people can like understand what it is because as you said being completely in the dark about this stuff is a nightmare not just for anxiety but it's like well how are you gonna how are you gonna lift a lockdown if we don't know how asymptomatic people spread it. But also, surely if you're like an advanced country, you would be having scientists look into this at the moment. Yeah, New New Zealand have um, just started easing their lockdown, but to the extent of like, listen, like social distancing is going on for a while. We're like, you know, being really cautious. And they're a country who've traced and tracked everything. Well, just be um, like, eh, let's just, let's just do it. We were the first in Britain. Well, um, the asymptomatic thing, like, you know, South Korea 
you know, they, they were testing asymptomatic people. They were testing everyone. Obviously, that's it's worked yeah. remarkably. We, we mentioned before how uh, effective South Korea was as well. No, just like straight away. Oh, and guess guess how many deaths in South Korea from COVID? How many? Guess. Oh. <laughs> Wait, I was rhetorical. Don't look it up. No, I'm not looking. I'm trying to find this. Um... Oh, we're there. Okay, here we go. Let me just briefly. 236. 236. That's it. That's it. That's all the deaths in, in South Korea. Okay, here we go. So, South Korea. So, researching the role of asymptomatic people, which I think is the the issue in the the, the testing of care homes. Um, you know, because obviously, you know, what it is, England are testing all staff in care homes and everyone in care homes. Welsh government are saying that you know they're only testing people who are symptomatic, basically. Um, so a third of coronavirus cases in South Korea were asymptomatic. A third. Um, there's like opinion pieces in New York Times saying most um, to suppress COVID, we need to test those with no symptoms. So, and then uh, oh, CBM. CBM Center for Big Mouses. Or mice. The Center for Evidence-Based Medicine. All right, at oh, Oxford close. University. At Oxford University, right? So it's it's le- legit, right? So what proportion are asymptomatic? Um. So yeah. So this is an important question. So between five and eighty percent of people testing positive may be asymptomatic. At symptom-based screening, may miss cases. Some asymptomatic cases will become symptomatic over the next week. Sometimes called pre-symptomatics. That young children. And adult and young adults can be asymptomatic, um, and it basically says we're going to have to wait for antibody testing to find out any of this. But it is, as you said, it is something which is clearly important to discuss, and not just like I don't know the fact that he just said you there's no point publishing it because you you're too stupid to understand it. Yeah, and it's just it's Gethin's attitude as well. It's like, oh, we shouldn't we should we don't need to be testing anyone and everyone. Like, well, you you do, you really do. That is the scientific evidence. Mm. But, this, uh, so- there seems to be no um, strategy on um, contact tracing either. So no. okay, you know, clearly the rationale is we're not going to test you know patients um, in care homes because you know their age anyway, they're vulnerable anyway. That's presumably what the rationale is, right? But the workers are obviously at risk. Yeah. And because they, but because yes, there's workers only at risk, but they're they're way higher risk of of getting you know the disease themselves because they're in contact with vulnerable people, and working in a healthcare context or you know all day every day. But there's no effort to do to test them or to do any contact tracing. So those care home workers could be going home from an extremely infectious environment. Yeah. And because the the kind of language around how strict the lockdown is at the moment is kind of very vague and fluid it's like well people they they may well be going to visit their relatives like once a week or once every couple of weeks but because there's no testing and no contact tracing there's no way of knowing where it's spreading so i the context is and this is like absolute well it's not comedy but you know you would sort of you you'd cry you'd laugh if you didn't if if it wasn't so tragic it was that drake first basically was reported in the guardian as strongly hinting that yeah. Wales, Wales could lift the lockdown first, and this for me was like, oh my god, you've had people basically. What's like, I had this, you know, image in my head of people, you know, Welsh Labour grassroots and everyone like moaning at Mark Drayford and saying like, listen, Mark, people are complaining that you haven't deviated from the Tories or anything. He's like, right, I'll show them. <laughs> Let's just lift the lockdown. We'll be the first. Made in Wales approach. And as you like, 
it just seems and like what's mad is that earlier he'd also said we won't lift the lockdown based on any flag waving yeah uh, like reasons you know well, basically they said, yeah, they're not nationalistic not going to do anything to, they're not going to do anything differently in wales just for the sake of it that's the one um yeah and it, and it was like well all right well why would you then turn around <laughs> and say that we might be lifting it first but also what i don't understand it's like starmer why are they focused on exiting the lockdown yeah, like, yeah. What, what, why is that something like that is clearly uh, the, the only people who are calling for an early lift of the lockdown are religious fundamentalists and lunatics in america and the massive big businesses who want people want want to start making a profit again what want capitalism to start working and don't give a shit if we live or die the fact that the labor party in the uk and wales has started to like <laughs> pick this up as their cause celeb in the midst of a pandemic where there's no testing and no ppe is just absolutely surreal and and so drakeford is based like so i was trying to think of other actual reasons why he might be like the, the one would be they're that stupid that like so here actually i had some interesting ideas from people the first one was like it's just he's just saying stuff for the sake of it because they got to be this like made in wales approach two would be they're really jealous of like nicholas sturgeon who gets loads of coverage because she's competent because she stands up to the british government um and they're just jealous and it's like well how can we become uh relevant in this conversation you know three it could be some sort of form of like brinksmanship where he's trying to get get wales some leverage that they've never had um but like you they still can't realize you're never going to get any leverage with the british state by just fo- by just following them blindly like that's that's, that's like the obvious thing is like they're never going to do anything differently um the perfect symbol of that is the fact that they're not even invited to the, the sage meetings <laughs> we were saying earlier just afterwards they get a photocopy uh, handout of the the minutes and like, yeah. Oh, Muted on Zoom, they just put them on mute. Can't, it's the only time they do mute on Zoom. It's just incredible, and and like it's, it's Kamikaze unionism, isn't it? Because Drakeford was interviewed about this and said like, how do you feel about you know not be, not being allowed to contribute or ask any questions at Sage meetings? And he was like, no, it doesn't disadvantage us in any way. And it's like this, like it's like we said earlier, like, there are no red lines. If you're a unionist and Drake, you know, like Drakeford's got this. This is why Labourism. And unionism for me is a disease that cripples you intellectually because if you think if you've got this idea that the British state is like benevolent and it's like 1945 um, and it's Clem Attlee's era, they just can't get that out of their head ever. It doesn't matter what happens and how many times the British government like like you know in 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 this they take they took the Wales' tests they collapsed the test deal they made them look like mugs during this pandemic on numerous occasions stopped. Welsh care and Scottish care homes being able to buy PPE, but for Drakeford, this is fine. You know, like they, they're not. You know, if I was invited to a meeting in work, but then they said you're not actually allowed to ask any questions because um, we don't really give a shit about you. You're not that important or interesting. Um, I wouldn't come away feeling like an equal partner. Probably, I'd probably start questioning whether this is something I i really want to be part of but yeah there's no they just don't have any red lines do they they don't have any red lines at no stage but they, but this is what i was wondering maybe this thing about the he t- starts chatting shit incoherent shit about lifting a lockdown was maybe designed to give them some 
weird form of some weird brinksmanship designed to like draw to Wales. I don't know. Yeah. The other one, and this like this is like you know. But it would it, even you know that the lockdown in we we obviously need a different set of approaches in Wales because we've got a different kind of demographic and a different population and the needs are different there has to be a different approach but lifting the lockdown early and, <laughs> and getting going down to advise on how to do it is not the right approach it's like he's like you said you wanted me to do things differently yeah not like this <laughs> not like this like but but the the other one so this is like 3d chess this is a conspiracy theory that i've concocted so hear me out right so there's been I don't know if you like the second home thing has been fascinating to me because you've had not just GPs but leaders of health clusters in North Wales write to Mark Drakeford and say the lock the second home legislation isn't strong enough. People aren't being stopped going to their second homes. This is gonna make this is gonna make the rural NHS fall over, to use the, the term yeah. of the uh the epoch. Um and then Drakeford basically said, Well, the guidance is clear, and then these guys have just gone on Twitter and said what the fuck are you talking about? Like the whole point is the guidance is clear, but it's not adequate. You know, it's not strong enough. Um, Drakeford then did this mad thing about um, <laughs> we wouldn't want to infringe on the human rights of second homeowners as if they're being made destitute. You're not evicting them onto the street. They've literally got two houses. You're not making them homeless. Like, you know, these are some of the rich, like it's, it's, it's incredible, like that mindset. Like He was like, this will be quite an extreme step. And it was just like, what you'll they're human rights like so you're literally comparing the rights of people who live in north wales you know elderly people who can access the nhs in their area versus the rights of rich people from england or you know or from wales or second homeowners or whatever and you know it's hard to see you know you've got to balance these things you know but what's funny about this well the drakeford like that attitude towards property is so indicative, I think, of, of their approach because, you know, believe it or not, people get evicted every single day in Wales by councils, by the third sector, by private sector landlords, and they get made street homeless. Yeah. I don't hear Mark Drakeford going on about the human rights of homeless people or people right. getting evicted. Exactly. You know, you know I, I, I don't recall any moral outrage when people are, you know, dying on the street in, you know, freezing to death and pneumonia, but all of a sudden, oh, I just couldn't believe I couldn't believe what he's talking about. It's like it's not their first home. It's not it's literally they've literally got another house. Like anyway. Um I know. what I as well who uh, stood up for landlords too, isn't he? Just in terms of like you know just the worst blow. Well, that is what it is, it's the principle of, of property ownership is what's being uh, second yeah. property ownership. But but what but what I think the uh, frame it in terms of human rights, yeah, is genuinely laughable when there are actually people without houses who live in the street. There's actually people who don't own one house. <laughs> yeah, can you believe that? Yeah, and I'm sure Welsh Labour can't even get their head Welsh Labour MPs and AMs can't get their head around <laughs> of it. Um but anyway, so in terms of my conspiracy theory, Drakeford and Gethin have been extremely uncomfortable at the concept of second homes, but also like when people will go into caravan parks and things like that, right? Um, you could see they were like, oh shit, like one, you know, is it mad nationalists trying to like, you know, force people out, but also they were like, what are we going to do? Now, if England ended the lockdown earlier than Wales, which you would assume they would because Johnson and that are psychopaths, one of the first things would happen would be an an influx of people 
to their second homes again yeah so you know people would all go to rural wales yeah. and if wales had a lockdown in place there would be a conflict not just between you know locals and um incomers but also a conf- an open conflict between the welsh government and the english government and one and because drakeford is such a fucking pussy and a weakling um I honestly think that one of the, like well I'm probably giving him far too much credit but but one of the things he could be thinking of preempting by Wales open and then lockdown early is like well at least we'll avoid cross border you know flow tension or fl- yeah. based on flows of people with England if England's had a re- relaxed lockdown but Wales is still yeah lockdown that was a, but other than that yeah inexplicable why you'd want to why you would want to lift a lockdown early um all right, so oh, it's or oh, just to be bringing that up now really, is just strange. Yeah, it's irresponsible. Like, I, I don't think we've okay. The numbers suggest that like the peak was about what a week ago, say. But there's no the because we haven't been testing in in <laughs> Wales. We don't know where where the peak's going to be in Wales. We just don't know. There's I different know. demographics. There's different kinds of population movement in Wales to the way there is in in England. You know, for example, between like the big cities of England, there was there's always going to be a lot more um, movement between those places in the in the way that there isn't in so much in Wales, especially since the lockdown. So as soon as you start lifting that, it, we just don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna peak and how it's gonna. I think we're always going to be fighting a losing battle against it until there's a vaccine. And so to be, it just, it just defies like sense to be, to be putting this on the agenda now. Um, rather You're than. Right, Sorry. So, right, so uh, yeah, I've, we'll keep I've, this, um, Nate's going to get fish and chips. <laughs> I, I, as well as well, I sent an email through and I, I've managed to secure um, uh, a second mortgage, so uh, I have to <laughs> I have to go get a house. <laughs> yeah. Um, see you soon, son. All right, right. chips. Um, so, Kieran and I are going to continue this fascinating conversation, um, ranting each other. Um, <laughs> what I thought was bizarre about um, Drakeford saying he's going to lift the lockdown. Like so, as you said, one it's irresponsible. One because if you lift the lockdown, you want people to come out of the lockdown more vigilant than they were before. You know, you it, it's got to be more. People have got to be more cautious. Not this like oh the lockdown's ended, which will unless you're very careful about it, that's just how people are going to react. Oh thank yeah, fuck that, you know, the lockdown's ended, right? Yeah, yeah they've. As, as I said, like this, what like this, whether it comes from Starmer, like I don't understand, like like Starmer's weird focus on like a lockdown exit strategy is one of the, it's just so utterly bizarre. And like maybe Drakeford's got it from there, but like anyways, talking about this uh, traffic light system, you know, red or amber, green, and you know, red means think some things will go back to you know people will go back to work. I mean, I've got it on fairly good. I mean. All all construction sites are still going. I've got on fairly good authority that the big ones, the big builders like Red Row and, and that, are going to go back to literally how they were by the end of the by in, you know May. Um, you know, so so this idea of 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 lifting the lockdown, but also like public opinion, people aren't bothered about the lockdown. People want it to be safe. And mm. and what I don't understand, as you said, is how can you lift the lockdown without a test in 
to bring that onto the agenda now lifting the lockdown people will start assuming that it's safe yeah of course they will oh we're, you know we're nearing the end um you know the lock you start talking about it's not something that i would have been start talking they could just be trying to like just deflect but like we're still like they, so testing capacity in wales now is 2100 apparently right we're still only testing 900 people a day we we hit a thousand uh, just over a thousand again the other day, but we're still, you know, that's still half capacity. This like all the media heat last week about, or is it two weeks ago? The fact that you know we're we're not using the testing capacity. If he's gone, if if they've increased testing capacity, all right, well, well done. They still, still, even with this big thing of like, right, we're fucking up the tests. We obviously need to get more people tested. Let's do it. Even without like rocket up them, they still can't do it. And they, you know, they brought the, and after the review, even, I can't believe it, even after the review that was written, <laughs> the review, the misspelled review, which basically was like, we need to simplify the process. They still haven't, they're still, you know, under half capacity, I know. which is just. Well, the, the approach has been to bring Amazon in to sort out the problem, which, like, which says a lot about, the, it does say a lot about the circles they're moving in if, if, you know, that is the. The answer to this, isn't it? Oh, there's too much bureaucracy. Let's bring in Amazon to uh, streamline things. Yeah. So yeah, Amazon are going to be the are going to be the testing portal. Um, I'm really happy about when I you know I'm going to have to use this to sign up now, and um, I'm buzzing for one about handing over all my details to Amazon. I'm sure that's going to be no, I'm sure that's not that's not a dangerous precedent to set at all, or to involve Amazon in the health in health logistics. I mean. Do you know honestly where you can see this going? It'll be Amazon delivering um, transplants. Um, yeah. All these things uh, will be out. So, you know, it's just. But but also like why? You know why couldn't you give it to um, not a, you know not the Welsh capitalists or uh, <laughs> like my faves either. But like why would you? I'm sure there's a Welsh company that can do it. And then but then Drakeford, um, the English one launched last week. Drakeford, you know, ours doesn't launch till tomorrow, or it might be launched by the time this pod goes out. But then Drakeford said the English portal fell over um, straight away, so we need to make sure ours hasn't fought, won't fall over. Well, this, yeah. this term is just. We were talking about this off mic, but like, what what is it about this term? Everything's falling over. It's because they, it's because they don't want to use the language of yeah. collapse in there. Yeah. But falling over is just like, like a terrible metaphor for what's happening. Like, the energy has like stumbled over. Yeah, but like, some, let's get back up. So, yeah, some some uh, someone in you know Whitehall has obviously said, or you know, we think that this language of collapse is apocalyptic. It's like negative. It reflects poorly on the government. Why don't we replace? And they've gone through like select all on the word documents and <laughs> you know replace collapse with with fall over. Um, but anyway, so 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 that's gonna be up and running, and our testing portal is gonna be delivered by Amazon. Hopefully, that's gonna improve efficiency. Um, I bet it won't. <laughs> I bet it won't. Um, and wait, what was the other? Oh yeah. So to compare, like, so Christian lives in San Diego, and mm. San Diego County is um just over three million. So it's obviously it's one of the most advanced economies in the world so it's, it's the opposite of wales in some ways but population wise um population wise is comparable um and so the county is rolling out a new strategy uh, it's called t3 which uh, stands for testing tracing and treatment um and so what they've done they've massively expanded their tracing 
so it's not just testing, but they've they've hired loads of people specifically to to do contact tracing uh, and to trace where people a are going. Sensible scientific approach to, to responding yeah. to a, a pandemic and to quarantine them. Um, and given the fact that Wales still isn't, as you said, with the with the care home stuff, it's not treating everyone in, who's coming into contact. Like so, let's say you're treating people who are symptomatic in care homes. And there are people in the care home who are asymptomatic, but have clearly come to contact with yeah. them because you work in the same workplace. <laughs> yeah. A testing and tracing approach would necessarily involve those people, right? So the fact that Drakeford isn't doing that suggests that there isn't any contact tracing going on. Um, and I just don't, honestly don't see how you can start talking about lifting a lockdown without a test and a tracing. But they haven't you know. mentioned, I haven't seen any mention of, tra- of of contact tracing. I think a couple of weeks back there was some talk of, oh, we, we need to set up a scheme where there'll be contact tracing. But that, that was weeks ago. And I, I can't see that there's been any progress with that. Who should we, uh, who, what company should we use to uh, to start the, the uh, contact tracing? Well, the I, reckon, is, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> DHL. Yeah. or like uh, Hermes or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, like I've I just got so little faith in them at this stage, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, oh, and another thing, just before I forget, um, so Drakeford has basically said uh, that there are companies now making PPE for the Welsh gov- for, for yeah. the fight against COVID. Well, there was a flight in from Cambodia yesterday. Was there? Um, yeah, there was, you mentioned it in the... Um, uh in the meeting this morning but there's been, there's been no press coverage of it of course but um and he's but, it, but these companies again with you look at the language he was like we encouraged them and now they've like you know a month in they're now making ppe and like it's all you know you talk about pull back and reveal like the this is what like everyone like everyone doesn't even need like an, an idiot could have said like right let's get all welsh manufacturing companies to make our own ppe um because that way we're not dependent on international flows and like what and, and blockages that's now happening but only but not because the, the welsh government have like given them orders and stuff these companies have just literally yeah. stepped up and said right we're doing it and like it's just this surreal hands-off approach i just i'll never understand it i'll never ever understand the way they operate i find it so utterly bizarre and weird um and like but it's a good thing it's a good thing that wales is now making its own ppe but it's what every single person said should happen. From but, day one, yeah. And we were purely written into whatever pandemic plans had been written up for the last 20 years, which apparently are like still hidden away in some, some oh, yeah. drawer somewhere. Oh, unbelievable. So, yeah, I thought of, uh, oh, yeah, and, um, but <laughs> some good news. As with all crises, you know, crises, um, obviously, you know, the capitalist system is, is on it, is on the ropes. It's a chance for us to put forward new ideas when people are becoming politicised, becoming militant. Um, and the Welsh government have uh, announced that there's a, you know, a new plan for, you know, a, a post-COVID Wales. And who better, <laughs> who better to come and advise? What, what radical advisor can we bring in from uh, from the left to advise <laughs> on this? So, yeah, so it was announced today that they brought in Gordon Brown, um, who, Gordon, I mean, Gordon Brown is a complete hack. Um, whenever there's a bad idea, or you know he is wheeled. Yeah, it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, he will be wheeled out. Um, and it's just absolutely mind blowing. Like, like if I was a if I was a Welsh Labour government, I would quite simply bring in the man who 
you know, brought in austerity to the UK and who oversaw the through his through his involvement in in Project Fear in 2014 oversaw the complete collapse of Scottish Labour, <laughs> Scottish Labour, a party that had hitherto been hegemonic for over a hundred years. Yeah, he is like he is a real safe pair of hands. Uh, I mean, like, but like, I think you know the narrow mindset of like people in Welsh Labour, they they will actually see Gordon Brown as like here's someone that saved the economy and saved uh, and saved the union. They wouldn't see someone as like this guy who's a complete fuck up. Who's toxic which is, as well. Who's which is what he is. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like yeah, Brown gave all, all the state's money to the banks. Like he, any like so. One, like he said the other day, I got austerity wrong. Well, yeah, you got it like massively wrong. He's, it doesn't, but like he is an ardent neoliberal, like an ardent neoliberal. And the fact he's been brought in should, you know, massive alarm bells ring in. Yeah. Um, but not just that. And the is, chair of the IFS as well, Institute for <laughs> Yeah, like. So neoliberal you know, tank, essentially. Contrast, like, contrast. Like, so Jeremy Corbyn brings in people from the New Economics Foundation, uh, Yanis Varoufakis. Uh, actual socialist people to like you know advise him the welsh government no we're going to bring in the ifs uh who were criticized by jeremy corbyn's former advisor richard murphy um professor of political economy at city university who advised jeremy corbyn's campaign so the ifs was embedded in all the normal standard pro-market assumptions that dominate conventional economic thinking in the uk and elsewhere he also stated the institute for fiscal studies is a body that persistently recommends tax increases to benefit the wealthiest in society at cost to those who make their living from work and the poorest in society fantastic you've got the new economics foundation who could be advising uh talking about degrowth all i mean look one of the things about this um the crisis is it's like it's obviously like the, the corona crisis it's quite obviously shown for a lot of people that you know the economy needs to yeah. change the, the idea of the economy is complete bullshit and like capitalism is yeah. trying to halt most people's jobs if you're not a key worker you know most people's jobs aren't socially useful that the fact is the government's got enough money to support people to to, to basically work and, and live with their family most people realize they could probably work less most people could work from home and also yeah, it's been environmentally improved. Yeah, it's it's, show, it's shown how badly how bad neoliberalism is at dealing with crises like this that it can't cope. Yeah, exactly. So obviously in Wales, we're having this national conversation where we're inviting the people who've essentially authored the world we're living in, which has led to the pandemic, uh, to advise us to do more of the same. When you've got people like Calvin Jones, Tegid Roberts, who are in Wales, like, yeah. You know, you've also got inc incredible education researchers who have been forced into <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and uh, researchers on literature and culture who are unemployed. And, can't and, and you know, these people, <laughs> these incredible thinkers yeah, yeah. These aren't getting a look in, but we'll get Gordon Brown in. The, the other interesting thing is, like, I thought that Welsh Labour... I don't know if I was just naive or whatever, but I thought that maybe during this crisis they'd use it to maybe push for more powers for devolution. Because obviously, if you look at what's going on, the Welsh state is so pathetic, it's so hollowed out, the civil service is so weak that we have to have like Deloitte, Circo, and the British Army in to do the jobs that are not like they just haven't got the civil service. Like the, the Welsh government just is just too weak; it can't do these things. So you'd think, oh well, maybe we'd be pushing for more powers or just a better settlement so we can actually 
we actually deal with these things better. Um, but Drakeford's like falling back on unionism and like seems to be in a big way. And not just the issue with Gordon Brown isn't just his his neoliberalism. He's probably the most staunch, I would say, unionist politician in the whole of the UK at the moment. You know, he's you know he's always wheeled out when there's a yeah. you need to give a speech on like Britishness and things. He's he's a real throwback. You know, there's not many exactly people. Why Drakeford has invited him to um, to sit on this advisory board? <laughs> yeah. So at a time when the Welsh the British state is like shitting on Wales. Yeah, I think it says more, the fact that he's invited him says more about um, Wales's weak position um, in the current settlement than it, than it does about his um, faith in Gordon Brown's politics. It's more about trying to capture the attention of, of Westminster. Sure, I reckon, yeah. Well, part yeah, it could be, like, get a, get a big statesman in like Brown, or maybe we'll have to start listening to Wales, start listening to Wales more, but... Um, of course they won't. They'll completely ignore it. <laughs> I, I know, and and because Brown's like, if you wanted, if you wanted to do something radical, right, you would bring in your John McDonalds or um or any host. Yeah, Varoufakis, and there are other um you know bring in Bernie, like AOC. There are people all over the world, um you know in Latin America, um you know the Portuguese left the centre government. Right, they're not amazing, but you know there are. There are people around the world uh, in left of like in actual socialist governments, like you know people from want to bring in people from Cuba to say how how like this is how you get um this is how you you build resilience. Um, it's yeah, what it says is that they want they, they've got this fantasy about being able to return next year once the lockdown is over that they can return to like the what the, the golden years of of um yeah. of Blair and New. Yeah. Late nineties. That's that's I, that seems to me. If you get in someone like Gordon Brown, that seems to be the the approach, doesn't it? Well, this is the world. I mean, obviously, the the parallels between Blairites and baby boomers are massive, you know. And this is the world that most people in Welsh politics seem to occupy. If you look at all the AMs, they're in their early forties, mid forties, late fifties. The the yeah, these are people who grew up and were inspired to get into politics by Blair, you know, yeah. openly Vicky Howells, Lee Waters, um, you know, these are people who openly admire Tony Blair and he, and they got into politics, you know, not doing a miners strike, yeah. not through like militant, militant organizing or trade unions. They got in because they saw this, they grew up in this new, yeah. in, in Blair's society. And they, they thought this was great and they can't understand that that world yeah, was based on a bubble. It's not been working for te- for fifteen years, <laughs> and it only worked for them. It yeah. only worked for them. Yeah, I like you know this is what fries me. This is what like you know you just you want to shake people. Oh, oh, tell you what you were about Tony Blair. I got this and this and this. I was like, well, yeah, mate, but I was like five years behind you in school. I graduated into a recession, mm. <laughs> a war. Yeah, you know, like it's just been terrible. Like yeah. you know, most people. Most of the the tail end generation of, of of Blair, which is me and you know me you and Nate, know nothing know nothing other than Tory governments and austerity, because we graduated into we graduated into austerity and we were hit by we we were the first generation to be hit with tuition fees and they and then they just can't understand why people just we we would not want to go back to that um, and also like Blair it was a bubble. 
Blairism was a bubble. It was yeah, a temporary yeah. bubble that burst mm. in 2008 with Brown and Brown was left holding the ball. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what they want to do, mate. They want like that's that's their paradigm for successful politics yeah. is you know yeah. winning elections, successful economy, you know making concessions to capitalism. Got, um, they do have some a climate change representative on this advisory board, which is interesting. But I, I really, you cannot balance the politics of climate change and and address like realistically addressing what's happening um, to the climate with that kind of neoliberalism. We've so got, it's like, a complete conflict of interest. We're literally living through the end of the planet. You know, climate change is accelerating. You know, like the, yeah. the, 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 like our the ecosystem is literally collapsed around. It's like Australia was on fire, like yeah. Australia, the whole of Australia was on fire for like months. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, it, the, the world is literally collapsing around us. Even the world right now, the, the climate is exactly, exactly. And now, and now, the you know, the more climate change happens, the more pandemics you're going to get because things like drainage systems are going to collapse. Um, people are going to be. be forced more and more into contact with with you know animals there's going to be all like you know like christian said there's going to be there's going to be far more pandemics than the worst climate change yet so who do we get in to address this you know this is you know you literally need to complete you need to end capitalism like now and have this like ecological transformation towards like full communism that's the only way that's going to save the planet but instead you bring in gordon brown yeah i know an aging statesman from a bygone era <laughs> Who has fucking nothing to say? He can teach us nothing about anything. He's been wrong on absolutely everything. Like he, what is he like? <laughs> like he's just anyway, fantastic. Like it's I just don't know, maybe he's got friends in Deliveroo. That's yeah, yeah. But yeah, reasons to be cheerful. I mean, the only good thing that will come out of this it'll accelerate. Um, it should hopefully accelerate the Welsh independence movement. Uh, and hopefully the demise of Welsh Labour in Wales. Um, yeah. But yeah, mind mind blowing that they brought him in. Um, I know. Yeah, unbelievable. Right, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. Shout out to the boy all. Happy birthday, son. Yeah, happy birthday, all. Uh, also, shout out to the um, the the frat boy American pilots who found the UFOs. Have you watched those videos? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> what the. What the hell was that, dude? Yeah, someone said like 2020 or so nuts that um, the Pentagon just released like evidence of UFOs and everyone's like, oh, who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to NHS workers. Obviously, it was the um, International uh, Workers Memorial Day. Was it yesterday? A minute of silence. Um, what do we say? You know, mourn for the dead, fight for the living. Um, but yeah, shout out continually to all the health workers who are keeping us safe yeah um better pain conditions yeah yeah god damn just demand it now yeah. like you know um and beef obviously as ever with the conservatives with welsh labor our mortal enemies um so hope you're looking after each other and being responsible um we're going to keep updating you um follow us online um at desolation wales on twitter um and yeah i think that's pretty much it yeah See you soon. Bye. Bye. Fortunately, we have a plan, Professor Frank. Hi. Good evening, ladies. Frank Sterling, what's the plan? All right, just take your seat. Just take your seat.
Now, working with former Carter administration officials and military men who were forced into early retirement for various reasons, which we won't go into here, okay, we have planned this defense for the city. As the comet hurdles toward the city, our rocket will intercept it and blow it to smithereens. Why? Oh, dear God, no!